Welcome to The Session, a basketball podcast. I'm your host, Omar, and I'm joined by... Ben, how are you, brother? Ben, I'm doing great. I am I doing great. Your, uh, I noticed you're a caravana. You're, you're <laughs> coming straight out of the Caribbean. Take me back. Hair that you got going on. How long did that take you? Uh, well, Iman did it. It took about 45 minutes uh, last night. Uh, oh, okay. Sarah has done it before. She does a great job. This was Iman's first time uh, braiding my hair. Uh, it's good. I, I do it because I like uh, curly hair. So the oh. braids leave it in for a couple of days and then it comes out curly and it lasts like that for, I don't know, four or five days, which is like pretty like- good. Was it like a Hawaiian night? Did, did y'all have like tikis and totems and like? <laughs> <laughs> no. So 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 lately, what I've been doing is I've been getting uh, I've I've been asking him on to experiment with cutting my hair and now braiding my hair, and I'm getting more and more used to just working on my hair because eventually, like this is it. This is my sustainable path forward. You know, like I will just never have to go for haircuts or go to the salon or anything like that. For my hair so that's no, it it's the long it's the long-term play you're saving a lot of money man i'm i mean like i know that barbershops are kind of open back up i think yeah. i got some some emails saying that like barbershops are going to be closing back down okay which i'm not completely against because like before i had an excuse as to why i was cutting my own hair it's mm. because of our shops closing, but now that they're open, it's kind of like, yo, just go. You look like a bum. Like I'm trying. Let me learn. Let me learn how to do this so I can save forty dollars every two weeks, man. Because yeah. I can't do anything else unless it's a fade, man. I, I, like that's where my creative lens is right now. So yeah, I don't know. That's kind of where where I'm at right now. But you know, it is what it is. Well, you know who doesn't need to worry about his hair because mm. you know he's he's a he's a Western Conference champion even without man. a good haircut. That's LBJ, LeBron James. Let's get right into it, Ben. Talk to me. So obviously, I watched last night's game between the uh, the Nuggets and the Lakers, and uh, I think before we get into, I think before we get into the Lakers, um, a couple of things. First yep. thing is, you know, major major kudos to the Nuggets, man. Yep. Honestly speaking, the Denver Nuggets and especially seeing the development of Jeremy Grant, um, I don't know what Mike Malone did to develop him, develop him at that at that level, but he was playing really, really well. Uh, I think he had 18 points total. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, I think he I had like remember, 14 yeah. in like the third quarter. Something, something ridiculous. He was playing off the charts, especially when Jamal Murray kind of had a little bit of an injury and uh, and Jokic. They both were not as you know, killer as we have grown accustomed to with the down 3-1 Nuggets. They weren't giving us 30 or 40, whatever we got spoiled with, with their level of skill. But I think Jeremy Grant really picked up the, um, you know, picked up the picked up the load as a role player. Yeah. Um, I would have expected a little bit more from Millsap, but I think as a team, I really feel like the Nuggets are they're great they're a lot of fun to they're a lot of fun to root for like how can you not like joker yeah he is such a likable uh star and you know i feel like he's always going to be in everyone's good books considering what he did to the clippers this nuggets team is always going to be a great 
thing to look back at because of what they did with these Clippers. And no one's going to forget that. I don't care if it's in the second round. People will not forget something like that, man. Yeah. The, the, the comparison that I wanted to kind of make was the 2012 Oklahoma City Thunder. They were you know, see a young team that challenged uh, that challenged the greatest player of all time that really put on a show and, and, you know, proved a lot, gained a lot of fans, proved a lot of people wrong. And this was a team when, when you were watching it, then it was like the, the, the conversation was, this is a young team. That's going to be back here again. You know, like this is it, this is where they belong. They, they belong at this high level of a stage. And, and I really hope that that does happen because they're a great team to watch. Unfortunately, Oklahoma City Thunder never ended up making it to that stage again. Everyone was thinking this was going to be an annual thing. You know, the Clash of the Titans, this is going to be it. But it, it never ended up happening again, right? At and, that level in, in the finals. So I really hope that Denver, you know, for a variety of different reasons, goes down a different path because they have their, they have their stars. The stars work together. They, 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 they are signed for long-term deals and they have young developing talent as well. They have the future is bright for the Denver Nuggets. I think considering these guys, like the level of battle that they did together, of course, they're going to let a couple of people walk in the, uh, in the off season, uh, probably Plumlee, probably Millsap. Like, I don't know what's going to, I don't know what's going to really happen with the Nuggets this off season, but you're totally right. That comparison between the 2012 Thunder, I didn't watch that team, but Mm -hmm. from what I, from what, it sounds like to me um, with Jokic and Kevin Durant and Murray and, and Westbrook. And I feel like the main difference between these two is definitely the, the camaraderie that you get when down three, one twice uh, mm-hmm. these bubble playoffs is forever going to be ingrained in their head. Yeah. Uh, when beating the Clippers in all honesty, it seemed like at times they won the championship. Uh, yeah. Not saying that the Nuggets settled, but they got this confidence. And I compare this to the Toronto Raptors' heart of a champion. Uh, being being an underdog and being down 3-1 as an underdog and still coming back and crawling back yeah. and winning that series, that does levels to your confidence. And I think it's definitely going to show with Jamal Murray and, yeah. and Jokic. And as you said, I really hope they stick together because this is a team that I have absolutely no problems with. I like the coach. I like the players. I like their bench. It's just a well-rounded team. And... Yeah. If they can continue this and they can continue just developing their players, you know, more than that, I feel like Jamal Murray, I think even he had doubts on this contract. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that we were kind of doubting it. Like, yo, is Jamal Murray worth that money? I think even he was just like, I think he was just like, yo, I got paid. But now he's just like, you know what? I am a star. Now, screw that. He thinks he's a superstar. Yep. You can see by the way he handles himself in interviews. Proof he does not wrong, think... Yeah. He does not think he's just a regular all-star. He thinks he's a superstar, but how he responds back next year is what really counts. And I really expect big things from him. Yeah. He, he, he proved me wrong. I was low on him. I was low on that contract. I didn't think he could take the steps that he, that he did. But the playoffs are where, where, where you learn the difference, right? Where you learn the difference between good players and great players, right? The, the players that can elevate their game, that can continue to produce at, at high levels. And, and this bubble playoffs, we have seen players that did not live up to that expectation. And we saw players that 
exceeded any expectations that people could have put on them. Like, I don't think anyone foresaw Jamal Murray having the run that he had this year. I think they expected a lot of Jokic because the talk has always been, you know, Jokic top one, top two uh, center, uh, you know, a player at his position. Right. But Jamal Murray, like, even though I was low on him, other people that were higher on him, blown away. I mean, his fourth quarter and overtime performances this year have just been phenomenal. And, and he's a young star a young superstar and you know he's gonna he's gonna be in the league for a really long time and we're gonna have a lot of fun watching jamal murray play basketball and circling back to this game between the lakers yeah. uh the nuggets still did not let up yeah there were times where i'm just like you know even even reggie miller was talking about the comeback hits which i think was jinxing them but whatever mm-hmm. um there were so many times where i'm just like it's not over yeah. you know like And that's why LeBron had to put on that magnificent show that he put on in the fourth quarter. I was blown away. Yeah. I was absolutely blown away with the level of, with the level of play that LeBron had uh, in year 17. Let's, let's get into that, man. That, that took me back to LeBron toe, man. The, the, The jump shot when it's falling, when that jump shot is falling, he is so dangerous. He is so dangerous. He is somehow faster than anyone on the court, stronger than anyone on the court, smarter than anyone on the court. And when he knows the shots going in, you can't do anything. LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. And we were watching history. Like that is, that is a night to remember everything that we have seen for the last 17 years. It's just, phenomenal what LeBron did in that fourth quarter was was definitely was definitely a throwback to you can even say game six Boston I mean he had 45 10 and 10 with jump shots but LeBron was like what 38 10 and I forgot what his exact stat line was, but he was he was just phenomenal. Yeah, like 18 rebounds, sure. to, uh, 18 16 rebounds. boards. Yeah, yeah, yeah 16, I think it was 16 boards, yeah. boards and 10 assists. 10 assists. Yeah. That is a ridiculous stat line at seven at, at year 17, man. Yeah. And when he was playing, you know, when I'm watching him, I'm just like, okay, so this is what I meant by the Nuggets clawing back. They just did not. I respect this team so much because they just. They did not, they don't know the word quit. They did not let up. They weren't like Kawhi Leonard when he gets stripped and he's just standing around. Yeah. No, they're like, they're going to get their, they're going to get back to their, um, to their defensive rotations and make sure that they can get a stop in. So, you know, Jokic gets an and one, you know, I'm like, okay, here we go. That's a six point game. Nothing. The Denver Nuggets, I think, considering the level of play that they have, they can do something to make sure this comeback is, is, you know, you 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 can't let up off the gas again. You can't so this let is up, not, and that this is yeah. This is not a team that you can mentally smash in no. the the first three quarters, and then they will will out wilt out right. Like okay, call it. You know, it's over. We had a good run. We should be proud of what we got. You have to keep your foot on the gas at all times. And LeBron knew that. Yeah. And that was the thing. That was the thing about LeBron, where I feel like he went back to his bench and he told his team, "You know what, guys." Just let me do this. Yeah. I I got it right now. I'm feeling it right now. Let me do this. And he did it in a big way. That three that he hit made me get off my seat. That three, because he didn't even seem like he wanted to shoot it. Yeah. I think he wanted to pass it. But he got like, I think Jokic went to the, uh, went back, went to the paint to get like a board or something. 
and he had like a little bit of space. He hesitated for like a millisecond. Then he had that shot. It just goes in. I'm like, bruh, he refuses to not close this game in five. Yeah. What I will say though as well, and what I think is being lost is that boy, Anthony Davis still gave us what? 26, 27? Yeah. Not at hundred percent. Not at hundred percent. AD yeah. was huge in the series. Yeah. But that's what happens in a LeBron-led team. And I was talking to Isam about this. When, when, when the Lakers win, it's, gonna pre- it's, gonna domin- it's predominantly going to be with, the, uh, with LeBron as you know, like the main person that, that won them the game. Equally now, if he loses, if the Lakers lose, it's always going to go back to LeBron. That's, just, it, it's that's what happens in your first option, yeah. face of the NBA, face of the team. Yeah. That's the responsibility and pressure that you hold. But that boy, LeBron James, gave such a memorable ex- memorable game. It reminded me of Game 7 against the Celtics when he was on the Cavs. It was just one of those games where you're just like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. What do you do against someone who has that much willpower, who's going to hit jump shots, not even just these, not even just and ones. He's hitting from everywhere. What yeah. can you possibly do? Magnificent showing from LeBron James. Respects to him. Five game series in three of these rounds now. Yeah, you know what? They got they got business done. I mean, you you asked me, you know, how long was this going to take? I said four or five. You know, like this, they were going to wrap it up quick. They weren't gonna they weren't gonna mess around. This is a team that is committed to the end goal. Despite you know, and there's a lot of revisionist history going on. Despite all of the people that didn't believe in this team, what have I always told you, Ben? Every single season with LeBron James, it is the exact same story where they see that team struggling, you know, come January, February or something like that. They start writing him off. They look at LeBron's plus minus for a month and they say, you know, this team doesn't have it cut out for them. This is not a championship team. LeBron lost it. And every single year he gets them back to the same position. Every single year, nine of the last 10 finals, nine of the last 10 finals. The one year he didn't was when he was injured. And and it speaks volumes to the kind of player he is and the kind of people that doubt him still. Like it just it it says more about them than it says about LeBron James. How can you possibly doubt this man? He's 35 years old and he is ready to stake his claim, in the words of Nate Duncan, stake his claim as a as the best player in the league. At at the biggest stage in the league. The the only other player to have done that was Michael Jordan in '98, when when he when he went for that last Six ring. ring. Yeah, the, no one else has been in that position, and LeBron James is ready to do it in front and of our, why, in front of our eyes. You know, like all trolls and all and all jokes aside, like I definitely see I've broken things down by generation, by greatest player, by their generation. MJ is the 90s. Michael Jordan is the 90s, and that's that. He, of that generation, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Similarly, I believe that LeBron James right now, in this, in this generation, like this is LeBron James' era. Yeah. And he's proven, and he continues to prove, if he gets this ring, all he has to say is this is for Kobe. I don't know how any hater can say anything. Yeah. All he has to win, all he has to do is win this and say this is for Kobe. Me and my brother were talking about this. 
He says that, and what what do you say? But but that's like, just it. People what do you will even still say? find a way to hate. And I'm this curious. Was, this was something. This was something that I wanted to talk about, and I hope I can articulate this well. It's the whole you know MJ versus LeBron discussion, and I think I think the best way to describe it now is Michael Jordan versus LeBron James is a concept versus a reality. People don't remember the reality of Michael Jordan. They remember the feeling Michael Jordan brought them because it has been so long. When LeBron James wins or loses a game, you pull up the box score and you say he only shot one for four from three or he missed five free throws. Or you you can pinpoint exact stats because it's that fresh. But nobody does that for Michael Jordan when we talk about six rings, right? Nobody talks about Michael Jordan having terrible shooting nights and getting carried in games in the finals, right? Nobody does that. But LeBron James, that is a talking point for the entire season. Like everyone will talk about if LeBron James has a bad game in the finals, Anthony Davis carried LeBron James, even though if out of three of the wins, three of the four wins, LeBron James did well. He has that one bad game. That's what it's going to be. You know, AD saved him. AD bailed him out. But that same energy is not met when talking about Michael Jordan because so much time has passed. You are comparing reality to a feeling. And the same thing you'll notice, Ben, is going to happen in our lifetime with LeBron James. 15 years from now, 15 years after he retires, I won't say 15 years from now because we don't know when he's going to retire. He might keep going. But 15 years after LeBron James retires, people won't be able to have honest conversations about X next player that's head of the league and LeBron James, because people would just think about the feeling that LeBron brought them, not actually what's on paper, because nobody looks at what's on paper anymore. I think a part of that, I think what you're saying is true, but I also feel like there's a huge merit in just in just winning. You know, like what what do they say? Uh, history is written by the victors. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan is six and zero. Oh. LeBron James, beyond the three and six, man, the 2011 series is on him. I, I don't know. Like even you can, you can talk to any LeBron fan and you just, you just got to own up to it. It's a black stain. But the same thing is applied for Jordan's first nine years. Or no, whatever. That, no, you that's can't just, do that though, because no, it, but, the finals is a different, it's a different beast. But but that's just it. Like everyone, the same energy is never kept. I am okay with admitting the faults of LeBron James and how he is not a perfect player and not a perfect human being, but the same energy must be kept for every other player that's just it it's arguing like a fairy tale you can never beat a fairy tale like like michael jordan has become immortalized as this as this uh, you know being that that transcended time that transcended uh, accomplishments and is of no fault and nobody remembers the faults but any fault that lebron has he makes a bad pass he makes a bad read he takes a wrong jump shot that is ingrained in our memories right now because it is recent. But as time passes on, people will just remember the feeling when it comes to LeBron James. People will remember the feeling that a, that a, almost two decades of dominance when it came to LeBron James. That That's all that's going to remain. So it, I'm kind of with you, but I'm still yeah. disagreeing. I'm, I'm with you, but I'm still, I'm still disagreeing. I think feeling is a huge part of it. But I think on an objective standpoint, there are still things that you can look at with LeBron's career. And that's why I say I break it down by generation. 
which is which is what takes me back to my original point because I think MJ is still the greatest of his generation. I don't really compare MJ and LeBron because it's, it's too different. Rules have changed. There's way too many different things. But with LeBron James on an objective standpoint, not not three and six, but a big enough stain like the 2011 NBA Finals, that is, that's a dud. All I'm saying is we need to keep the same energy. If LeBron quit, LeBron gets injured, right now the narrative, you can pull up Twitter right now, LeBron gets injured and his doesn't make the finals last year. And the narrative is he quit on his team. The narrative is he quit and and he needed Anthony Davis to make the fi- to make the finals. He couldn't have done it without him. And he's a he's a quitter and he's nothing without Anthony Davis. And he got carried. Le- Michael Jordan quit three times. He quit the sport three times. But we just talk about this fantasy that is Michael Jordan that is six and zero. LeBron James gets injured and he's a quitter. But Michael Jordan actually quits and he's not a quitter. That's all I'm saying. Why don't we apply that same logic, right? Why don't we apply that same logic of, uh, you know, Mike was nothing without Scotty. Mike, Mike got carried by Scotty and all this stuff. And why couldn't he do anything without that, without him, right? It's like that same logic always needs to be applied. I don't, I'm not interested in doing Mike versus LeBron debates. I'm not interested in trying to convince people that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time. I, I, I tweeted that last night. It's like, I'm done with that. I don't have the energy to, to do that. If at this point, if at this point you don't think of LeBron James as top two, then you're just not seeing it, right? Like if you're not appreciating what you're seeing right now, I feel, I pity you. I feel bad. You're not properly enjoying the sport, right? But all I'm saying is, the same energy that's kept to slander LeBron James right now was is not being applied to his predecessors that are held to a higher standard, that are held to a higher pedestal than he is. How much of that do you think is social media and modern technology and our kind of generation of just being the most informed? Uh, back then, it was newspaper articles and, you know, like TV, that would be the main sources, right? But like, the way that people would kind of talk is just through barbershop and like Michael Jordan to honestly his benefit. He didn't really get a chance to really see all that much as we saw in the last dance. It was just newspaper articles, yeah. headlines, right? But right now we are just so informed. Yeah. The talk very well could have been Jordan was nothing without Pippen back then. We just don't know about it. But right now you can go on your timeline and see what people are thinking. If you just click trending. Yeah. Do, do you see what I'm getting? So it's hard for me to even gauge if this is a, a thing of uh, now and then, or are we keeping the same energy? Or is it just because we just know now? Because we're in the generation of just being extremely informed. So, so, so that's part of it too, and that's why, I, like, I give kudos to the stars of this generation because they're dealing with something Tough. that the players of the past never had to deal with, and that is real time criticism, real time specific criticism on everything yep. that you do. Your entire life is scrutinized, not just the forty eight minutes that you're on the court, but everything. Everything is being scrutinized and you are held to such an unreasonable standard that players like LeBron are still exceeding and still living past, right? So what I'm saying is any faults that LeBron might have, any stains that we talk about in his career, they don't get washed away because they get lost in print media. Those stains, those videos, everything remains and is permanently there, 
right? It is permanently there. I agree. And repeated and parroted by people that don't know what they're talking about. But the same is not done, right? Like there are, there are entire Twitter accounts devoted to people slandering LeBron for 2011 and slandering his 3-6 and their, their bio is that. But are there accounts, to, like were there accounts back then devoted to Jordan never making it out of the first round? Like why wasn't that a thing? Why wasn't that a talking point that stuck all the way through his six rings that stuck all the way through to his wizards days or something like that. Right. It's like the, the no people forget the failures of the past, but no one in this era, no one can forget the failures because these failures are forever immortalized on the internet. And it'd be, it'd be, it's a, it's actually a very interesting topic because uh, you're right. 15 years from now or 15 years from when LeBron retires, I wonder what the conversation will be. I wonder if internet has immortalized stains. Yeah. No doubt about it. MJ was not perfect. Absolutely yeah. not. But yeah. you're right. It's because we don't know. Yeah. There, there, there aren't uh, documents or, or articles, or if there are, they're so, they're buried so deep that it'd be so much work versus just going on Twitter and just going back, you know, what did people say during that time? What were people talking about? What were analysts saying? I feel like media analysts have gotten so much bigger now, like the Stephen A. Smiths, the Max Kellermans, the Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharps, whatever. They have so much more weight to their words because people actually listen you know and and ben you said you know it's so much easier now to go back to see what people were saying but that's just it you don't need to go back those same analysts that have that same point of view continue to talk about skip continues to talk about the 2011 finals like it's not gone it's not i don't need to scroll down to 2011 on my timeline to see what people were saying the same talking points are just parroted over and over and over again because when what you're watching doesn't match with the preconceived notion that you have that LeBron James is a quitter and he's a loser because in front of your eyes, you see him winning. You keep changing history and you keep bringing back those same talking about, okay, but what about 2011? It's like, why are we talking about 2011? The greatest player of all time just knocked out the Denver Nuggets, which knocked out everybody's title favorites. Like, why is why are we talking about 2011? Why are we talking about JJ Barea at this time, right? It's like, you have nothing else to talk about. So you just claw to this, like this, this, this hate that you have deep down. It's like, let it go and watch the sport that's happening, unfolding right before your eyes. This is not Ben. This is not talking about players that have retired and debating about, you know, who was better and talking about Mike right now. If Mike was playing right now in his prime, even the Mike haters would shut up and watch him play because you're witnessing greatness. But people are talking about LeBron. Like he's not, out there on the court dropping 36 38 which i which i definitely agree with and and my personal take i think that uh when lebron does retire and people feel that void that's in the and that's in basketball uh, the talk will go away unless it's a ba- it's a talk of comparison. But when talking about the player, I think in time it's going to happen like it did with uh with with Michael Jordan. It's I, I mean consider Magic Johnson. Remember Tragic Johnson? Why don't people talk about that that often? Mm-hmm. When people retire and they feel a superstar in the league, and I think the word superstar is given too quickly. By the way. I don't think there's any more than three, four superstars in this league right now. I don't consider Russ or Harden a superstar. Anyways, yeah. um, a superstar does so much for the sport and so much for the league 
that when it's missing, especially the level of superstar that LeBron James is, when he leaves, people will feel it. Yeah. And for that very reason, the 2011 stuff, that won't come up unless it's a talk of comparison. Yeah. Because people will always find a way to be either devil's advocate or they truly meet it. I mean, I still truly believe it. I think as a superstar player, yeah, that's a dud. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I think any, anyone should own up to it. Yeah, it's a dud. It happened. But at the same time, you can still appreciate the greatness that he's giving us right now. But I just have one question that I need to ask you because this topic has been particularly confusing for me and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. Okay. The idea of appreciating greatness, Mm -hmm. right? My thing sometimes and what I get confused at is people just say appreciate greatness. It's it's right there. Appreciate the greatness that's, that's before you. I get that. For LeBron James, for for a player or whatever. So how about for a team? So let's go back to 2016, right? The Golden State Warriors that has Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant. We're talking the most beautiful basketball as described. I didn't watch it myself, right? So you would know better. So when people say appreciate greatness, but then they go hating Golden State Warriors back then, why the double standard between these two things? So, so this is important because you can a, a team is compiled of players. A team is compiled of players, and you can respect the players that make up a team. You can appreciate the players that make up a team. But a team is almost like a different entity, right? It's like it is more than just the sum of its parts. So I can. Over time, I have grown to appreciate Draymond Green and and who he is. And Steph Curry, I I have said that Steph is you know one C to LeBron one A, KD one B, Steph one C. Like they're in that upper echelon. No one else is a superstar in the league in my books. That is it. Those are your three superstars, right? And I have grown to appreciate the players on that team, but I still hate the team. I still hate the team because a team is a separate entity and a team has rivalries. Like you don't really have player rivalries as much as you have team rivalries because you hate that a team is compiled of individual efforts from players that you might respect, but the team itself is, is, is a team that you can hate. It's a, it's a separate entity. It's almost like a corporation that's been incorporated a separate legal entity. I don't know if that, that quite makes sense, but what I'm trying to get at is you can, you can appreciate Steph's shooting. You can appreciate Draymond changing the league for 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 you know creating that small ball death lineup and being the the source of that. You can appreciate all those individual efforts, but you can still hate the team. You can still hate the team because you hate it from a rivalry perspective. Okay. Okay, because that I remember whenever I hear about and uh, you know I'll. A lot of LeBron fans say that, like appreciate greatness, right? So that's the comparison or like that's what I kind of go back to is thinking about the Golden State Warriors, which are said to be by a lot of people, analysts and older players, as the greatest team of all time, mm-hmm. right? So on that same breath, when it's just like in your lifetime, why, why? hate someone when this is just greatness in front of you so so another piece of it another piece of it and and i'm glad you you brought this up is 
when when we say appreciate greatness for a player, we're talking about a player that has a, a fixed like time in the league. Like this is a human being that we're talking about, right? This is a human being that is going to start getting old and deteriorating, and they will one day no longer be able to be in the league. A team will outlast. Like I said, it's a separate entity. A team will outlast the players. A team can be good again. The 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 Miami Heat were are one game away from the finals, but they were they were you know in the finals before 2014. Like a team can be good and then bad. The Lakers they're in the finals again. Like we can say people can hate the Lakers because the Lakers will eventually come back into the finals. But to but to hate on a player that much when he really is giving you greatness and that player you know won't last forever, whereas a team will last forever, I think that's the distinction. That's why I don't feel as bad hating on a team because because you can respect the players, hate on the team, because one day the team will be back where they are. True, but a team of that caliber, that doesn't last a lifetime, right? So I understand your point with Miami being in the title, uh, you know, like potentially coming back to the uh, yeah. uh, to the NBA Finals again. But that particular team, right, of all of those pieces, that w- either due to free agency or either due to, um, you know, a, a wide variety of things, right? I think the comparison is actually a little bit more similar in, in in my opinion at least because i kind of find that teams also don't last uh don't don't stick together long and you know like these super teams or these crazy you know unbelievable like greatest team of all time level teams right i don't think they last very long i guess i guess for me it's it's all about an identity and this this goes back to kind of I think a structural difference in how you and I view sports. And for me, it's always been a player first player contribution perspective of how I view sports. Whereas you've come at it from always a team perspective, right? Where it's like, this is, you care more about the team than you do about the players. And I care more about the players than I care about the teams. So for me, the team is the thing that's disposable where I, I can respect the players and I can respect them and appreciate the greatness that they provide on an individual basis because basketball is such a small team. You have five players on the court at once, right? Like you can appreciate the contribution that any one of those five players is making. But from a team perspective, I guess I never really identified at a team level. And that might be why you and I are coming at this from different angles, because uh, teams and team rivalries and things like that matter more to you from how you approach sports. Okay. No, I was just I was just curious because we were, yeah. you're talking about the whole appreciate. I'm like, oh, wait, this reminds me of this one. I remember yeah. I had this topic in my head and I really wanted to talk to you about it to get your thoughts on it because I actually find it pretty interesting. Uh, and, and I'm curious because I want to bring the conversation up with other people as well to get their thoughts on it because I think. I'll say it like this. If I was in the, uh, but, like, but then you think back and you're just like with the Lakers in the 2000s, of course you would hate them, but they were so like amazing. So it's kind of like people are just like, damn, I wish you had more years of Kobe and Shaq, right? Revisionist history, right? Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's crazy when you look back at things. And I think this goes back full circle to what we were talking about before LeBron James is going to be the exact same, but he's too big of a superstar. He fills up too much of the NBA. He is the NBA at this point. Yeah. For so when he does leave, 
it's going to be such a large thing and people are always going to look back at damn remember when lebron was in the league yeah i don't even want to start that conversation it's yeah it's 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 scary it's gonna create such a power vacuum like with lebron gone like lebron has four more wins until he wins his fourth title and he is in year 35 he's age 35 sorry and <laughs> also to year 35 like damn that man's been like <laughs> that was balling <laughs> 35 years old and he very yeah. well may be and, and i believe it the best player in the league so yeah that vacuum that's going to be created and this was something that we we i think we had talked about before i don't know if it was on the pod or, or off the pod but lebron's entire career and the duration that it's spanned has prevented so many other players from being the best player in the league just because LeBron has been so good for so long. Can we say that Giannis is the best player in the league? No. Maybe after LeBron retires. We can't say that about Luka. We can't say that about Harden. Like, all these players, think of all the people that have won MVP during the course of LeBron's career. If it weren't for LeBron, we would be crowning multiple people as the best player in the league. We'd be like, one year it'd be this player, one year it'd be this player. But LeBron's been this constant, like, upper echelon, always been there. Like, you have to argue against. The onus is on you to try to prove that LeBron isn't the best player. It's not on me to say that LeBron's the best player, right? Like, the body of work speaks for itself, right? So when he's gone, there's so many players that are, like, retired or nearing retirement where it's like, damn, like, I never got a chance to be the best player in the league because of LeBron. When LeBron is in the zone and before the game started, they were kind of showing, I saw on Twitter, they're like, yo, LeBron's about to end someone's career. He had his headphones on. He was focused. He had this, you know, like, you know that look that LeBron has when it's just like, I'm going to end it today. He's the only player because Giannis could just look pissed at the bench. Russ could just look pissed at the bench, whatever, just looking down with sweat all over him. But that doesn't, that's not going to mean anything. They're still going to lose in five. Yeah. When LeBron has that look, man, it's like, dude, game six, Boston, 2012. You know what I'm saying? Like, he has these moments where it's just like, LeBron is not going to lose. He decided before the game that, you know what, guys? I'm going to win. Y'all can join me, but I'm going to win. To take the defensive assignment, too, of Murray. like And Jokic, he took it yesterday, last night against Jokic. To embrace it. And that's the difference, right? That's the difference. Remember when, not to get back to it, like, because I don't really want to talk about Giannis right now. Like, he's at home. But do you remember the the quote where where Jimmy Butler was was popping off and they asked him after the game, you know. Oh, my God. What a joke. Yeah. He's like, yeah, you know, why didn't you defend him? He's like, no, why would I do that? Why would you ask that question? Why would you ask that question? Yeah. He was so confused. And it's like, sir, you're the defensive player of the year. You are the MVP. Only Hakeem and and MJ have been in the position that that you've been in before, and you don't take on that defensive assignment. Like unbelievable. That's what the, there are levels to this. Like I, don't I thought Giannis was a killer. Com- yeah, I, I thought don't Giannis was a killer. Comparison. I don't want to hear that comparison. I don't want anyone anyone outside of Steph Curry and Kevin Durant's name to even be mentioned in that tier. No one has earned that right to be in that tier with LeBron James. What he did last night, you know, and I like the way that his attitude was. Mm -hmm. He was still, of course, he was happy, but, you know, his whole mindset was still jobs not finished. Yeah. Yeah. 
and I, and I and I and I got to show you this uh, this this one thing. So so while I'm pulling it up, you know, for for everyone listening or or, or watching, you know, come check us out on YouTube. Uh, this session of basketball podcast, you'll be able to see Ben and I's faces, my hair, uh, and uh, the picture that I'm eventually going to end up pulling up. So uh, you know, and also if you're whatever platform you're listening on, make sure you subscribe, leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts, and check us out on Instagram as well at the session ball. Uh, you'll be able to, you know, catch snippets and, and little clips uh, from our episodes and, and basically follow us, follow along and uh, join us on the journey. So Ben, right here, this is a picture from the Lakers account that was tweeted. And I'm going to, I'm going to show it to you here as yeah, I'm sure you've seen this one, right? Uh, oh, wait, this is the first I'm seeing this. What's going okay, on? Okay. Okay. So this is the team celebrating their uh, Western Conference Finals win, right? Oh, and LeBron James yeah. is probably sad. It's probably and bad. Every single person in the You're photo is, is smiling, you know, mean mugging, enjoying enjoying their thing. And there and are LeBron? two players. So you have LeBron James, deadpan in the center. And you have Rajon Rondo. Deadpan. Killers. I and, love Rondo, man. And, I love Rondo. And, and that just goes to show you, like, there, there are levels to this, man. There, are they act doing like you've been there. Four more wins. Four more wins. Act that, like you've yeah. been there, right? Act like you've been there before. So LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, they know what's in store for them. They yeah. know, they know what's upcoming, and for them, job's not done, right? And and I love that energy. I love that energy, and I am so excited for this for this finals now. I think that is actually a perfect transition to what is coming. Yeah, uh, we did watch BU and Wasi. Um, we watched the game Celtics five. and Miami yeah. Heat game, game five. Uh, what were your thoughts on that game? So first thing I'd like to say is, uh, I apologize to uh, Bob or uncle, you know, his dad. <laughs> that man, that man called it. He, 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 called he it. said, he said at the first quarter in the first quarter of the game, he said, Celtics are going to be up by nine at the end of the third. And we're like, what a random prediction. Because they were, were down by like nineteen or something ridiculous. Like, like the 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 lead at that point, he's like, Celtics are going to be up nine, and we're like, get out of here. And Celtics were up nine at the end of the third, and he said the Celtics were going to win, and the Celtics won. So I apologize. His confidence was too much. Um, what did I think of the game? I I think it was. I think it's weird. Like, even though Miami is in a commanding position, they were up three one. Now they're up three two. It still feels like somehow they're kind of on they're kind of on the back pedal. Like they're they're mm. they're trying to keep up. And maybe it was the insertion of Gordon Hayward back into the lineup and and you know that that caused a swing and things, but it's it's interesting. Like I I still think Miami's gonna win this series just based off the numbers alone. But in any any one game. I feel like the Celtics have an advantage, if that makes sense. Like overall, the series advantage is Miami. But if you're looking at a quarter and you show me a quarter of basketball and you're like, who's going to win this quarter? I'd be like, I don't know. I feel like the Celtics are going to come out on top on this quarter. I feel the exact same way. The Celtics just gave me this um, this confidence in them. Uh, I mean, let's get this straight. It's not easy to defeat the champions. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. Regardless of them losing a player, they still have the heart of champions. They still have the confidence of champions. And to beat them in a very commanding, you know, like they had a very commanding lead and yeah, it came to a seven-game series at the end, but still, they still beat the defending champions and that should not go unnoticed. 
My thing is, is I'd rather trust now Marcus Smart, I guess, Jalen Brown and Tatum to give me buckets over trusting Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, if you were to tell me, yo, you know what, man, Duncan Robinson, I, I got a feeling he's going to give me 17 points. I, I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm not feeling that right now. I don't think that's going to happen. I just don't have that trust in them because, Omar, I don't know if you feel like this, but of course they deserve it. But I just feel like the Miami Heat are so out of place. I just feel like they should not be here right now. Yeah. And they totally deserve it. I don't want to get, I don't want Miami Heat fans to get mad at me. Of course, they, they defeated the Bucks. They are a, renowned team they they are amazing they're great but i still feel like they're out of place whereas i feel like south the celtics they kind of deserve to be there and i think that's what gives me the confidence in them Mm -hmm. so in that game you know when i'm watching it that first quarter was i think the worst quarter in boston celtics history they shot like five of 20 they were terrible yeah Tatum was like one for six. Brown was one for five or something like that. They were all- and, and, and speaking of Tatum, his first half woes have been extremely prominent throughout this game, last game. There are certain times where Jason Tatum just disappears, but then he explodes in the second half. But that's dangerous. You'll see the Tyler Hero game. You can't let them get into a rhythm. You can't just have these first game and like, you know, overall, I did, I did really well. That doesn't matter. You can't let the other team get into a rhythm like that. And the Miami Heat took complete advantage of that last game. Now, this game, it happened to work out for Tatum, but it makes me... Now, I've been on record saying Miami in seven. I said this would be a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. You know, I did not expect it to be five games or six games. I, I expected it to be a seven-game series. I expected it to be very, very close. Yeah. Um, so what do you think Miami needs for them to win? What Do they need an outburst from Jimmy Butler? Do they need one other player to give them 20-plus, like Dragic, one of yeah. Dragic, Tyler Hero, or Robinson? Does, does Bam need to go off nuclear? What does what do the Heat need to close this team out? I think I think it's a couple things. I think they need one of Brown or Tatum to have a bad game. One of them to have a bad game. Brown Brown more yeah. likely than yeah. Tatum. I think that needs to occur, and and that could be out of their own uh, volition or uh, through defense or or whatever it might be. And I think they need to go back to getting like Bam more involved. I think I think Bam, mm-hmm. uh, especially last game, he wasn't really dominating in the paint uh, as much as or the restricted area as much as you'd like i think they need to get back to that you know jimmy butler bam out of bio pick and roll i think they need to uh it'll be a team effort you know why you say like they feel out of place because because the way that miami has made it here has been through that team effort yes jimmy yeah. butler's come alive in the fourth but i mean you look at jimmy butler's stat lines and in some of their wins he has like 14 16 points right yeah he has not been dropping 30 35 a night or something like that that's not how they've gotten here so they're gonna they're gonna win by doing the same thing that they've been doing to win and it's just gonna be that team effort getting everyone involved but it needs to come from it needs to start with one of those two having a bad game uh, tatum or brown because mm. because for Boston, if you were to ask me, what does Boston need to do to win? They need both of their stars to play like stars. And if any one of them slips, you're not winning. Tatum and Brown, I think they respectively dropped 31 and 29. Yeah. Those are those are star numbers. Those are yeah. all star numbers. Yeah. They they definitely played um they definitely played with their hearts out. Yeah. So 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think they just need to continue playing their their team game. And I think more than anything, what's kind of had me so excited over the uh, the Eastern Conference or you know just the playoffs in general for the East has been the battle of these coaches. You know, you got Spo. Well, you had Brad Stevens versus Nick Nurse, which was a phenomenal battle of coaches. And then you got Spo and 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 Brad Stevens. So long as Spolster continues to make. I think he knows how how to rally these guys up. This isn't his first time doing this, right? He knows how to be a finals contender. He knows how to work with this team. Now, Adebayo, I'm kind of I'm not sure if his wrist bothered him a lot more than we think. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not sure if that aggravated wrist is because he was missing some gimmies, some layups, yeah. some mid ranges, which I thought you know which would would have been easy for him. He was just not making them. I think he needs to respond in a big way. I mm-hmm. think if Bam responds in a big way, gets Tice out of it, yeah. then you know you should be you should be good. Because because that's their weak point, right? Like Boston, Boston has no one at center. No one they at have center. No one at center. Like you need to attack there. You need to get Tice fouled out. You need to make them play counter, right? You need to run counter off the floor. Like attack where you're most weak, right? Attack where you're most weak. Make them move like Brown at the five or something like that, and Brown will get in foul trouble because he just he can't compete with the size, right? Like, get don't let Boston play their game plan. Make them play yours, right? And that's what that's what good coaching is, right? Like both coaches going into a game have a game plan. We're like, this is what we want to do on offense. This is what we want to do on defense. And the good coaches are the ones that don't let the other play to their game plan, right? Don't let them run the plays that they had practiced, right? Make them do something on the fly. Make them adjust. Make them call out new plays, things that they're not comfortable with, right? Make them uncomfortable. And I have I have confidence that Spo can do that. Like you said, right? Spo can make the game play on his clock rather than Stevens. I trust, I definitely trust Spo on that regard a lot more. I still think, uh, just like you, that the Miami, uh, that Miami will win this series. Yeah. So if we go let's just say Miami continues, right? And this is another question I wanted to ask you was you're going to, you're, you're more of a, of a, like a history teacher than I am with the NBA. So, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. Coaches versus superstars. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is let's say Miami continues or even Boston or even Boston, whatever. When you have a very, very good coach, versus a very good coach with stars versus two hall of famers how does that series look to you yeah how did it look in the past all i can think of is nick nurse versus you know the superstar wasn't there the superstars really weren't there because of injuries and whatnot yeah so how did that work out in the past and what do you think will happen let's just say with the Miami Heat continuing to the finals versus the superstar-led Lakers. Yeah. So I think there are only five basketball players that can be on the court at the same time. So the impact of any one player is more pronounced than many, many other sports. Compare that to even football. Compare that to to hockey. Compare that to, to baseball, right? The impact of one player on the court on your team is so much more pronounced, which is why I think, and historically speaking too, the team that has the best player in that series 
is likely the team that's going to end up winning that series, right? It's it's a superstar driven league, right? It's a superstar driven league, and the team that has the best player or the best players are the team that you know likely end up winning. Yes, there are exceptions. Yes, there are times when when you know maybe the superstars don't perform to that level. But if you have a superstar performing to the level that they're expected to, house money's on them, right? They're they're going to be the ones that end up winning. I think the impact of coaches is often overstated when you get to a certain level. I think a good coach can be the difference between your team making the playoffs and not making the playoffs if you have the same talent or, you know, making a good uh, spirited run in the playoffs. But when you get to a certain level, when you're talking conference finals, when you're talking finals at that point, if your team has already made it there, you have a decent level coach already. You likely wouldn't have made it there with a bad coach a la uh, Giannis and, and Mike Budenoser, right? Like it, it didn't fit. It didn't work. You're not at that stage, but the fact that they're at this stage right now, you know, we're talking finals the coach, like in a way you did your job, right? You, you, you got this team to this level. And at this point, that's not going to push the needle too much in any one direction. It's going to come down to the stars. Personally, I believe that yes, there are exceptions, but I think the, the history's on my side as well when it comes down to that. I was, yeah. yeah, I was just curious about that because, uh, you know, I guess considering the, uh, you know, coming from like, I guess a hockey background and understanding the importance of a good coach and seeing how, you know, like they're the ones that like put the right players on the, mm-hmm. uh, on the ice. And, and so with basketball, I was just wondering, but you're right. It, it's, it's, it's five people playing yeah. defense and offense yeah. and in the playoffs, especially they're getting the majority of the minutes. They're going to be playing 40 minutes, whatever. True. Exactly. Like, so they will ultimately have the biggest impact yeah. on the court. Like, like uh, you think of like 2016, LeBron's playing damn near 48 minutes, right? 46 minutes a game or something like that, mm-hmm. right? And it's mm-hmm. like, how much impact can a coach have when it's it's Bron on the floor, right? And yeah, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna see that. And not to say like if you're a bad coach, your team won't won't win, right? You need to be a certain level, a certain caliber, but it's almost like a, a checkbox where it's like, okay, we got the good coach. What's the next thing that's going to push the needle, right? Because coach being good, being great to the best isn't probably going to be enough to, to do it. Okay. So I think the Celtics and Heat are playing tonight, right? Tonight, yeah. So uh, seven thirty tonight. So maybe by the time this podcast uh, airs, uh, you'll we'll have an idea of you know what the finals is, whether it's Miami versus the Lakers or whether we're going to a game seven, right? So I uh, won't spend too much more time on that, given that we don't want the the conversation here to be too stale. But I think I think from a from a you know Eastern Conference. Uh, Semi, uh, sorry, Eastern Conference Finals perspective. I think that was a pretty good roundup of where we stand on those Perfect. two teams. Yeah. Perfect. So beyond basketball then, man, how have you been doing? I've been doing great. You know, uh, summer has been obviously not the summer that we all envisioned. It, it's not, uh, I don't think we we got a chance to do all the things that we wanted to do. But, you know, you make do with what you have and and you you try to adhere to all of the restrictions and 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 be safe and be smart. And also enjoy yourself, right? Because, you know, life goes on, right? This is a part of life. We just need to uh, adapt to it, right? And and I think I, I tried to do that uh, at least in the later later part of the summer, right? You know, adapting to it. Uh, summer, a big change for me. Uh, you know, so news, I, I got engaged. I, I proposed, to, proposed to Iman. 
And uh, she said yes. So that was that was really big for me, really huge. And now it's just, you know, uh, life goes on, right? Getting getting back into the swing of things. So, What are some of the uh, the things you did throughout the later half of summer that you adjusted to? Like, were there some yeah. plans that you had or did you have some projects or any personal things that you're working on? Yeah, on uh, it's it's a lot of you know I guess getting started and when it comes to wedding planning you know thinking through what oh, what a wedding might even look like uh, uh, on on that side of things uh, did a lot of hiking which I'm really happy about you and I went as well which which was a great experience getting outdoors and enjoying that which makes me nervous going into the winter I feel like I need to pick up a winter sport because. I, yes. I wouldn't get to be outdoors as much, right? Maybe I got to start skiing or something like that. And I think the outdoors is, it's it's so underrated how drastically your mood will, will improve if you just go outside. Yeah. Even if it's for a walk around the neighborhood or if you're just outside in the balcony, just drinking coffee and looking out, whatever the case, just getting some outside time and not being inside is, especially now, it's so important. Yeah. Um, and hiking was, it was definitely a major theme for the both of us throughout this summer, because that's kind of the activity that you can do, right? You can just go outside and more than seeing the views, man, it's, it's a Mm self-accomplishment. Like to say that I did this to tell yourself that you just climbed something that's so high up in elevation of yeah. course, you're going to feel good about it, right? And I yeah. think constantly chasing that is why people continue to do it. Yeah. Because they just want more achievement and fulfillment and purpose. Yeah, exactly. I think it's really cool, man. I think yeah. it's really cool. Well, I love what, it. What have you been up to? Tell, tell us about, you know, key highlights of the summer for you. Man, disclaimer to anybody listening right now, don't do what I did. Don't, don't do the things that I did. Because I went to Georgia. (laughs) I went to Georgia to visit my brother and my sister-in-law. And, you know, I kind of went there to study, but, you know, well. How much studying did you get done? Yeah, you know, some. (laughs) Georgia's a very, very different place, man. Um, Atlanta is extremely different than the other surrounding areas. Lots of good food, extremely casual, very homey, lots of art. We visited this one place in this uh, kind of like this tunnel area, this bridge area, where there's just a bunch of street art, graffiti everywhere, kind of like graffiti alley. I think that's what it was called. And it kind of shows you just how rich in culture Atlanta is. Beyond their music, it's everything else that's just black culture that's within Atlanta. Or yeah. starts from there. And I'm sure it was like that across the entirety of the state, right? Of Georgia? Yeah. <laughs> so me and my brother went to uh, Brunswick, Georgia, Georgia as well because he works uh, from that area. So I, I got the chance to go see Brunswick. And that's a lot of beaches and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to keep this podcast political, but... Let's just say it's not like Atlanta when it's full of black culture. (laughs) It's very different. Uh, It's a very, very stark contrast between Atlanta and its surrounding areas. But what's crazy is in Atlanta, it's segregated in a way where each city kind of has its own identity. 
So you know how Toronto, you know how Ontario, you know, like GTA at least, you have Brampton, which is, you know, me and you. Hey, come on, bro. <laughs> we don't claim Tory Lanes out here. Shout out, shout out, no, big shout out to Meg the Salad. No yeah. shout out to Tory Lanes. He's a yeah. terrible human being. He, he went from Toronto to Brampton real quick. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, what I mean by that is we went to this one place called Marietta. And I'm just going to quickly say the story and move on to what else I did because I thought this was so funny and very scary. Marietta is this place where it's basically like it's literally Mexico. Everything about it was just Mexican. Not only the people, but the the, the areas. It was like 7-Eleven and 7-Eleven. You know what I mean? Like yeah. <laughs> it was just so everything, like they had like, you know, um Mexican restaurants, grocery stores everywhere. Like as you're driving more and more, you just see more and more of it. You're like, okay, where am I right now? So the reason why we came here is because we wanted to try this taco place that my brother found. And it's open like literally only the weekends. And they're open for a very specific amount of time. We waited an hour and 10 minutes to get this food. Very well known. You know, you're talking to people. And then all of a sudden, as we're in line, because we're outside at this point, this big cholo comes with this lowrider, blasting lowrider music. Think GTA San Andreas. Yeah. Caesar, like li- everything about GTA San Andreas and all those like those movies, everything that you can think of. He's wearing baggy shorts, white socks, tank top with big glasses, goatee, earrings, all that. He just looks like a cholo. And so he's coming to each person within this line and he's asking, are you guys parked in this parking lot? Mm-hmm. And Everyone out of intimidation, I'm sure, were just like, no, 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 we're not, because people were legitimately scared. And I'm not too proud to say that I was scared too. This dude looks intimidating as hell. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, now we're inside the restaurant and more lowriders, I think at least 10 lowriders came in this one parking lot, all blasting music, hydraulics, mm-hmm. literally like LA, like South Beach or Mexico. Yeah. And so we're inside and the restaurant manager now starts coming to each person in the line. And in a very nice tone, he's just like, guys, if you're parked within this area, if you can please leave, we would very much appreciate it. My brother later found out, oh, wait, you're talking about this parking lot because he was parked on the other side. He's like, wait, that part too? He's like, yeah, can you please move out of there? He's like, sure. All of a sudden in the back of a receipt, he says one meal. That's all it puts, right? Omar, for just to give these cartel members parking lot space, we got a $20 meal free. And it wasn't just us. 15 other people got free meals. Imagine just dropping $200 to make these people happy. Yeah, I've never experienced something like that in my life. We got the food and it was freaking awesome. It was amazing. The food was well worth the wait. But that experience in itself was just like, dude, this is a different area. This is the States. You know, this is the United States of America. (laughs) Very, very, very scary. But overall, it was really good time with good food. Even better company. Had a really good time there. And um, not three weeks later, four weeks later, 
my other cousin Shafat, he's in BC right now. And we were all talking about, we want to visit you, right? I'm just like, this is my opportunity to do it. This is the time for me to go visit my cousin Shafat in British Columbia. And so me and Isam, we just decided let's book our tickets and let's get this thing moving. Let's mm-hmm. just do it. Yeah. We can at least say that we did it. The stars have aligned. Everything will go. Let's just go to BC and visit and we can do whatever we want to do. BC is a great place. The tickets were cheap. Why not do it? Yeah. So we got up. It's at 6.30 a.m. the flight. So we met up at 4.30 in the morning and we made our way to BC. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, Omar. I don't know if you're familiar with this. As we're flying into BC, I'm seeing a lot of smoke everywhere. <laughs> I was like, is this foggy? Is this, the, is this the mountains? What's going on here? Now I step outside and it's still very foggy. I smell fire. I'm like, why do I smell fire? Isam, you blazing? What you doing? <laughs> Man. There's freaking, you know, those fires that happened in California. They transferred all the way to BC. So the entire province was just freaking bamboozled with smoke. Yeah. Yeah. We couldn't see a thing. Yeah. (laughs) So throughout BC, what we did was a bunch of hikes. We did Squamish Chief, which was definitely the hardest hike I've ever done in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. There are literally chains that you need to grab onto in this very, very narrow, steep mountain. You're, you, they, they have these chains set up and you have to literally hold them and tug on. And that's the way you're climbing this mountain. I felt like I was surveying of Mount Everest. Wow. It was such a rewarding experience. And right when we went on top, there's three peaks to this. We went to the second peak. And right when we go on top, we look down. We see this beautiful view and me and Isam looked at each other and Isam said it. He's like, we could have packed our bags right now and went back home because this is the view that everybody in BC talks about. We could see the potential and that's what hurt the most. Yeah. So the way that we did BC, it wasn't for the views, unfortunately, because that's what BC is known for. It's all about the views. But at the same time, it was for the self-accomplishment that we felt. Yeah doing these particular hikes, doing Squamish Chief, doing Grouse Mountain. More than anything, we got to see our homeboy, Shaf. Major shout out to him and Nishu. Congratulations on getting, getting engaged. They just got engaged yesterday. That's dope. Major shout out to them. And it was a good time to do that. But another hike that we did was in Grouse Mountain called Grouse Grind. And they call this Mother Nature Stair Climber. 3,000 feet in the, in, the, in the air, all the way at the top. And 2,800 stairs is what you're climbing. It's all incline. There's no time. You know, like in Mount Kelso or Mount Nemo or Rattlesnake Point, how there's some flat land and, you know, it kind of gets a little. This is literally just boom, zoop, incline. Damn. You just keep looking up. Like, when is this going to stop? Yeah. So me, our homeboy Omar, which is uh, Shafat's roommate, in Isam, the four of us, we blood, sweat, and tears. Keep in mind, these two are Mounties. These are RCMP trained folk. They have the they have the cardio. Yeah. But we are all dying. Yeah. We're going. We're going. We're climbing. We're like, there can't be much further. Come on, let's keep going, guys. We take a little break, drink some water. Then we see a sign. We're like, yes, this must be like a like a something to tell us like where we're at. Like maybe a peak is coming up. We go 
closer and closer. And then, you know, my 2020 vision comes and all I'm seeing is, congratulations, you've made the quarter mark of the Grouse Grind Trail. (laughs) You have got through the easy part of the trail. If you are tired, if you don't have enough water, if you are injured, this is a time to turn around because if you keep continuing to go up right now, you will not be able to. Imagine that. We are dying of sweat. I think Amar like like rolled his ankle. Yeah. We're just getting destroyed. And then we see this one sign. We're like, bruh, three more quarters of this. But this is what I mean by the self-accomplishment. We went up top. We didn't see a view. But we got to do it. Yeah. We still have pictures of us doing it. We have 40 of 40. You know, all of that, all the checkpoints, we did it all. That felt amazing. That's crazy that like you did all of that and you didn't get any views. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. That feels so bad. Like, I know you're here trying to like say like, yeah, you know, self-accomplishment. Oh, don't get me wrong, man. Boy, you got no views. Nothing. Squamish chief. We look up, we see mountains in the distance. No views. Grass grinding. We go up, we see a gondola. That is the view. A freaking gondola. Nothing. (laughs) We got one day in Whistler, which was probably the best day because we went bungee jumping. And that day, the smoke was clearing up a bit. So we got to see blue sky. That's when we got to see Mount Gerabaldi and Brandywine Falls. Those are the views that we actually got to see. That was nice. We got to see Whistler Village. One day out of like four or five is what we got. Yeah. But that hurts even more because that one day was like, this was the potential. This is what we should have seen. Damn. Tough, man. But it was like a teaser because I definitely want to go back. Yeah. I think you and I should go. I think you'd love it. I think I would. I think you would love BC. Not no no doubt about it. You yeah. would love BC, hundred percent. Yeah, recommended to everyone. I can't comment on the views, but I can comment on everything else. <laughs> We're back on our session to travel podcast. Shout out to Tal- <laughs> shout out to Talala Travel Podcast. Yeah, that's right, Mo. But you know what, man? Beyond that, it's been studying, trying to grind, trying to get into a master's program. I got that's my dope. exam coming up on December, so I'm just focusing on that. Um, it's very difficult to just stay focused and kind of like treat home as the gym, your place to eat, your place to sleep, your place to study. All of these different hats that my home is taking, I don't like it. So sometimes I go to coffee culture. I have a good time there just studying, you know? Yeah. But trying to do too much in one area is just, I wouldn't recommend it. You got to have like at least each room needs to do a, like a, a purpose. It needs to have its own purpose. Yeah. Otherwise, it gets way too messed up, man. It gets too confusing. People with studio apartments punching the air right now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's pretty much been been the summer. Uh, I wouldn't recommend what I did. Don't go traveling right now. Not safe. Yeah. That being said, next week I am going to Utah. So, Oh, actually. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, you actually got me there. <laughs> yeah, this is not the time to travel. But, uh, yeah. you know, just continue spending time with your loved one, man. So that's what I've been doing. Me and my parents have been watching basketball a lot. It's been a lot of fun. That's you know, what, that's the way you make the time go, right? You so, get to hear all your bad takes firsthand. Fly. You know what? My dad has even worse takes. Oh, it's God. so frustrating watching with him. It's I hate it. <laughs> they hate LeBron James, so there's one thing going on. Wait, through. really? They hate him because of what they did, what he did to Toronto. They still remember LeBron. Oh, LeBron. They still remember LeBron. <laughs> oh, man. 
All right, Ben, I'm, uh, I'm going to let you go. Let me just get my phone plugged in here. Could you start signing us off? Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 29. If you are listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, please be sure to leave a rating. Make sure you subscribe, leave a five-star rating. And as mentioned before, baby, leave a comment. Keep the conversation going. That's the motto of the session, a basketball podcast. We want to make sure that we're including everybody. A conversation between me and Omar, we can talk for years. And we are going to continue mm-hmm. to talk for years. Yep. But it always is nice to have even more people contributing, getting more people's takes. It just keeps the thing fresh and fun and original. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on every single platform that you can think of. Whatever you are listening to, please do subscribe and leave five stars. More than anything, follow us on Instagram at the session ball my boy omar is killing it with these igtv posts and everything in a third make sure you follow us there we are also on youtube at the session a basketball keep listening to us baby we're still gonna be around sounds good so from everyone here at the session cheers peace